0: Well, this is a kind of a serious subject. We're getting later into the week on one one week to live in Jesus' life, and so it's serious. So I like to start with something light because it is going to be so serious. But there was a guy in um, in California, and he was brand new to California, and he was standing before a judge because he had just shot and killed and eaten a condor, uh, and uh, and so he was standing before the judge. And uh, he was in big trouble. And the judge said, why did you kill this condor? And the guy said, I'm really sorry, judge. He said, I'm new to California. I didn't know it was a protected bird. I'd never seen a bird that big. I was hungry. I shot it, and I ate it. The judge was merciful. And he looked at the man. He said, well, you're new to California. I'm going to forgive you. Just don't let it happen again. He said, but on a personal note, could you just tell me, what does a condor taste like? And the guy said, well, it's kind of between a whooping crane and a spotted owl. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so we've, we've been following Jesus through his final week. And it started with with such a great hurrah on Sunday of his final week as he rides into Jerusalem. He's just raised Lazarus from the dead. His poll numbers are at an all-time high. He rides through Jerusalem and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I've been thinking about how in your final week, and if you have one week to live, Everything that you do, or almost everything you do, is the last time. So this is for Jesus, his last hurrah. This is the last public time that Jesus is with the crowds, is on that Sunday. On Monday, we talked about him going into Jerusalem and going into Jerusalem, and he curses a fig tree because it's not producing figs. And he walks into the temple and he and he turns over the money changers. And uh, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And uh, he, in, in essence, cursed the temple as he's cursing the fig tree. And as you know, the fig tree dries up, and the symbolism is that the temple worship, it's the end of dead religion. No longer will that tree bear fruit anymore. No longer will dead religion bear fruit anymore. It's the last, it's the last time. And then the next week, and this is what Robert preached on last week, he goes into the house of a woman who breaks a bottle of very expensive perfume at Jesus' feet, it's her last opportunity, and so she leaves nothing left and she empties it all out even though it's worth a whole year's wages. And the disciples, and one of the versions, says it was Judas who said, why this waste shouldn't it have been given to the poor. And uh, for Judas... For Judas, when he sees this waste, it's for him the last, the last straw. And we learn from that story that Judas leaves there and on Wednesday goes out and meets with the chief priests, and he makes his deal with the devil. And so throughout the history of the church, Wednesday of Jesus' final week has been called Spy Wednesday because that's when Judas agrees to be the spy That's going to betray Jesus. It's his last straw. And now. We're going to move into Thursday. The whole week. In fact. Jesus' whole life. Has been pointing to this night. I I can prove that through the Gospel of John. Because there's this concept in the Gospel of John. Where Jesus talks about his hour. At his first at his first miracle, at the wedding of Cana, uh, when, when his mother tells him uh, to, to, uh, to basically do a miracle when the wedding is, is out of wine, you remember that, Jesus looks at her and he says, woman, my hour has not yet come. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not time yet. It's not time yet, right. Then we get down to the woman at the well, and, and and he says to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem." And he says, "The hour is coming, and now and now here, when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth." In, in chapter five, he said, very, uh, "Very, very truly I tell you, the hour is coming, and now and is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and will live." And, and in chapter seven, he says. Jesus says to the Jews, my hour has not yet come. Uh, and then uh, in, in chapter 8, he spoke these words while he was teaching to the treasure of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And then chapter tw- uh, 12, it says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then in, in chapter twelve twenty seven, he said, now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour, no, for this reason... I have come to this hour. My whole life has been, has been leading to this hour. Now, we're meeting in church this morning about an hour. It's quite possible your whole life could be leading to this hour. This hour. There, there, there's a particular hour in Jesus' life that has come. And so when we pick up the reading today in John chapter 13, it says this, verse 1, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to the Father. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's time. It's time. The hour has come. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of uh, Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that his Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and then he began to wash the disciples feet drying them with the towel he had around him and when Jesus came to Simon Peter Peter said to him Lord you going to wash my feet and Jesus replied you don't understand now what I'm doing but someday you will and no Peter protested, you'll never wash my feet and Jesus replied unless I wash you you don't belong to me. Then Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over doesn't need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and and sat down and asked Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed for doing them. And then let's skip down to to verse 31. Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory, and God will be glorified because of Him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, He uh, will give His own glory to the Son, and He will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. As I told the Jewish leaders, You will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I give you a new commandment. I'm giving you a new commandment. The Latin word there is the word that we get our word mandate from. And it's the reason that we call Thursday of Holy Week Maundy Thursday. Anyone ever heard of Maundy Thursday? The reason they call it Maundy Thursday is because of this mandate. This commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Jesus gives a new commandment. On Monday, Thursday, and what is the ma- the mandate? Love each other as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This was more than just the last supper for Jesus and his disciples before he would go to the cross. This is Thursday night. uh, Later on, he's going to be arrested, and on Friday, he's going to be killed. But this isn't just a, a last meal at your favorite restaurant. This just so happens to be on a holiday, and not just any holiday, but it's their biggest holiday ever, and it's the Passover. And to understand the Last Supper, you have to understand a little bit of the Passover to understand what the symbolism is and why it is that God, from all eternity, chose this night to be the hour that He would that He would accomplish His work. And so, during the Passover, there was four questions that were asked. And 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 even today, during the Passover, the Jews, when they when they have the Passover meal together, the youngest child will ask a question, and he'll ask this question. Why is this night different from any other night? Why is this night different from any other night? And the reason it's different is because the kids know that the meal that they're eating that night is different. And so I'm going to have them show you on the screen these four questions and why this night is different. So for those of you that are listening online, you didn't get to hear the four questions. So the four questions were this. Why do we eat only matzah bread? This is unleavened bread. While on other nights we have leavened bread. And why do we consume bitter herbs on this night? And why do we, on other nights we never dip our food, but during this meal we dip twice. Why do we do that? And why do we eat while reclining? This is really important to understand the symbolism that Jesus is conveying as he's sharing this meal with his disciples, because the matzah bread represents the suddenness. If you're taking notes in your worship guide and you're filling in blanks, the word there is sudden. The suddenness of our deliverance. In other words, God's people had been slaves for 400 years. But on the night of the Passover, on the night that God led them out of Egypt, he did it so quickly that the Bible says they didn't even have time for the bread to rise. And so the reason that they use matzo bread is to represent there's not even time for the bread to rise. And the reason I say that to you this morning is because Jesus is making a definite comparison between what he's getting ready to do for us on the cross as our deliverer from our sins, just like Moses delivered them from bondage and from and from Egypt, that God is delivering us from our sins. And And, and what I want to say to somebody here this morning, you've been praying for somebody for a long, long time. And it seems like, will God ever answer our prayers? And they've been in slavery now for 400 years. But when God moves, God can do it suddenly. In fact, the scripture that we read, Jesus said, you can't come with me where I'm going, because I'm, but I'm going to do it at once. It's going it's to be done suddenly. Suddenly. there's times when we wonder, is God ever going to come through? Is he ever going to answer our questions? Is God, I used to like the show Batman when I was a kid. And when Batman, when Batman would end on one week, they would always do a cliffhanger. Remember that? Until the next week. And it would say something like, will the Cape Crusader ever be able to get out of this trap that he's in? Will, you know, will, you know, will, will will justice ever come to our nation again, you know? And, and when, yeah, I remember as a kid, oh no, we're in jeopardy. What's going to happen? Batman is trapped, you know, until next week. And I was reading Psalm 77 and I heard a little bit of that in this when it says, Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will He never be kind to me again? Is His unfailing love gone forever? Have His promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He slammed the door on His compassion? Have you ever felt that way? Will God ever be good to me again? Will I ever experience His compassion again? And the Bible says, Through the symbolism of this, that suddenly God can change things in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Aren't you glad for that? The Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And it said, and suddenly there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all those. That were. God could change things to you. Some of you have been, have been languishing for a long time. You, you've been going through tough times, but suddenly God can change it. Amen. Suddenly. The second, the second question was, was the bitter herbs. The herbs represent the bitterness of our lives without God. For them it was slavery, w- waking up, not feeling clean. And, and, and when we don't know the Lord, there's bitterness that can come in our spirits. And, 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 and there's just a lack of a clear conscience and in this, in this bitterness that comes. And so on the night of the Passover, they would eat the bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness that a slave goes through. How many know that our lives without God are bitter? There's a bitterness. There's a bitterness that comes in life without God. And then the dipping that happened. They would dip parsley in salt water, and they would dip it in salt water to remind them of their tears. The, the scripture said that God bottles up our tears. He sees every tear that's cried. We're to remember our tears. To remember the pain of our lives in their case their lives uh, in slavery in our case our lives without God how painful our lives without God were and, and their hard work they would dip it in this in this coarse stuff that, that, that reminded them of the mortar of the bricks that they had to, had to make you, you know what the scripture says about not living for the Lord it says this that the way of the transgressor is hard it, it's hard not to live for the Lord It's hard work not to be a Christian. Now I say that because there's a lot of people and really the world's advertising that it's hard to be a Christian and that the good life is the life out there. Let me just say something that was said to me when I was a child. If you live for God easy, it's hard. But if you live for God hard, it's easy. Let me say that again. If you live for God easy, it's hard. But if you live for God hard it's easy. In other words, if you're just trying to dabble in Jesus, if you're trying to get a little toe in the water, if you're just trying to be a little uh, uh you know, come to church on Sunday morning and, and and you know and and really get immunized from real Christianity, you just get a little inoculation every Sunday. That's hard. But if you live for God with all that you have, if you love Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, then it's easy. But if you're not living for the Lord and you're working uh, for everything that you have without the the, the, the grace of God, it's hard. Amen. That's good preaching anyway. I'm going to write that down. All right, it's hard. It's hard. And then reclining represented their freedom and their intimacy with one another. The freedom, what it's like to be free, and so they would, they would recline at the table because, because slaves don't get that luxury. But free people can lounge. We'd like soft seating, please. We'd like to lounge and relax and enjoy this meal together. That's the reason they do that at the Passover. And so not only were there four questions, but there were four cups that they would drink from at the Passover. Four different times that they would drink wine during the meal, and each one represented a different thing. And it was based on the passage in Exodus, and they would read this at every, pas- at every, at every Passover, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It's the four I wills, four promises that God gives to them, that he says, I will do these four things. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery of Egypt. I will free you, I will rescue you from slavery, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and acts of judgment and I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. And so they would drink four cups and even today during the Passover there's four different cups that you drink from during the Passover. And the first cup is the cup of sanctification, which means to be separated from Egypt. The second cup, and it's based on, I will free you from your oppression. The second one is the cup of deliverance. Not only does he say, I will free you from your oppression, I will rescue you from slavery. The third one is the cup of redemption. And in this one, uh, uh, he says, I will rescue you from your slavery. Uh, and then the last one is the cup of joy, where he says, I'm going to make you a new people. I'm going to make you a covenant people. I am going to be the Lord your God and claim you as my own people. And the reason I share with that with you this morning is because at Life Church, we actually base the whole way we do church based on these four promises that God makes us. We say at Life Church that we do four things at Life Church we do weekend services, we do small groups, we do the Discover Life class, and we do the Orange Team, which is our dream team, the people that serve around here. But these are based on these four promises of God and four um, and four aspirations that we have for everyone who comes here. Did you know that at, at Life Church we have an aspiration for everyone that four things will happen to you as a result of being a part of this church? Number one, that you will know God. Number two, that you will find freedom. Number three, that you will discover your purpose, and number four, that you will make a difference. You will know God. You'll find freedom, you'll discover your purpose, and you'll make a difference. We believe that if, if that's accomplished in your lives at Life Church, that's going to move you toward becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so, this idea of being separated from, from Egypt is knowing God. You're, you're becoming God's people when you're becoming separated from, from, from the old life into the new life. We call it being saved at the church. And, and and we've actually designed one of the things that we do at Life Church around that very thing, and that is our weekend services. Every weekend service at Life Church, we try to give an opportunity for someone to cross the line, for them to leave Egypt, if you will, to leave slavery and come into freedom, to leave the old life and to come into the new life. And that's the purpose of our weekend services. at Sunday morning, that's why we come here. We come here not just to be fed, but we come here to, to, to receive an opportunity to know God. Amen? Amen? So not only do we want to know God, but we want to find freedom. Because you know what? It's one thing to come out of Egypt, and it's another thing for Egypt to come out of you. Sometimes we come out of Egypt but we still have the lifestyle of Egypt on us. And there's a process. It's not just coming forward and saying, I got saved, but there's a process in which iron sharps iron. And the way that we do that in our church is through our small groups. Through our small groups, when we meet together and we have accountability together, we believe that spiritual growth happens best in the context of small groups. So we don't want to just know God, but we want to find freedom. Not just come out of Egypt, but we want Egypt to come out of us. And then to discover our purpose in our Discover Life class that's going to be happening uh, later today. Would you mind turning on the airmail? Uh, uh, In the Discover Life class that's going to be happening uh, later today, that's one of the main purposes of this class is so that you can discover your purpose. There's going to be a personality test. There's going to be a spiritual gifts inventory that you're going to take. We want you to know why it is that God created you, and and you have particular gifts. There's some things that you can do that nobody else can do. Did you know that? Did you know that there's some things that you can do that nobody else can do? Did you know that? That this church is weakest at, at whatever place that we're not serving in. And so we want to discover our purpose, and then finally we want to make a difference. We want to join the orange team, and we want to make a difference in our church and in our world and in our city and in our nation. And and we want to motivate you to not just come to church and be nice Christians, but when we go out of here for the rest of the week, that that we are making a difference. Amen? And so Jesus infused the Passover with new meaning by giving a new commandment. And he said, I'm not giving you a suggestion, I'm giving you a commandment. And the commandment that I'm giving you is that you love one another. Love one another. I am so glad you sang that new song uh, today about building our lives on that. Building our lives on love and building our lives on, on loving with it's almost like God says, here's a new idea. This is a new commandment. Have you ever tried this? Love one another. And he demonstrates it by himself taking off his robe and getting down and washing his disciples' feet. One of the things that we teach at Life Church is that every mem- every member here is a minister and every ministry begins with the adjective servant. So if you're the pastor, you're the servant pastor. If you work in the sound, you're a servant sound worker. If you work on the worship team, you're a servant worshiper. There's no celebrities at Life Church. Everybody, everybody has their place of service. So we're coming down to the end. We're coming down to the end. We're coming to the end of Jesus' life in the last week to live. But here's the note of hope for me. Here's the good news to me in this Last Supper story. If you understand the significance of Passover, it's not just the last day of that lamb that's going to be slaughtered so that they can go out. But it's also this. It's your last day as a slave. Think about that. It was their last day to have to be a slave. No more whips. No more making bricks and mortar. No more doing all of this. And and as I prayed about, studied for, got ready for this service today, what the Lord just put in my spirit is this could be, yesterday could have been your last day without the Lord. And this could be your first day as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So not only is it the last, but it could be the potentially the first of a whole new life. And so Jesus doesn't say this is... This is one of the best practices if you're going to be a Jesus follower uh, that you might consider loving one another. If you're, if you're a really good Christian, you might want to love one another. He said, no, this is, a, this is a commandment. In fact, the way that they're going to know that you're Christians is not because you got a fish bumper sticker on your car. It's going to be because of the way that you love so radically one another. And so, and so you, I brought today, and I brought them in Life Church colors, some towels. Because Jesus took a towel, and then he said, just as I have done, I want you to do it as well. So I want you to leave today with towels. There's two towels per package, so you can share them with your family, all right? But everyone here gets a towel, all right? <laughs> I just knocked out Karen in the back. Anyone know CPR? (laughs) You got to share them. There's two. We probably need ushers, don't we? But this is a lot funner. This is a lot funner way to pass them, isn't it? Everyone needs a towel. You got a towel? Make sure you get a towel. (laughs) Ushers can help me finish. Would somebody want to help me? You like this way? Who who needs one in the back, way back there. We need some towels. Sorry. Ben. Needs one. Ben, needs one. Ben. ben needs a towel. You can't have both towels. You got to take them apart and give your towel to your neighbor, okay? I've got enough for everybody here if we if we share. Which is part of the message today, right? Share. Love your love your neighbor. Towels, guys. And here's the here's the here's the requirement with your towel, guys. These are not decorative towels. You, you might just use it and put it up somewhere on your dress or whatever, that's fine. But this towel is to remind you. This towel is to remind you uh, chaos is broken out at life church this morning. This towel is to remind you to serve. Find somebody to love. Find a neighbor that, that needs your help. Find somebody in the church that could, that could use you. I'm, I'm, looking for a, I'm looking for a young man and a young woman right now that I gave an Uber drive to the other day. And the worship team, you guys can come. You know, you, you start to classify Uber riders when you pick them up. Oh, this guy's got a suitcase. He's going to the airport. Oh, this is a college student. They're going to a party. Oh, this is, you know, it's Friday night. They need a ride home because they've been drinking too much. You, you start categorizing. But I was called to go to a Shoney's, and, I, and there was a, a young man and a young woman that were sitting there waiting for me when I got there, and they just looked haggard. They, life had beaten them up. And they had bags with them, but I could tell they weren't going to the airport. And they got in my car, and she immediately fell asleep in my back seat. And the guy started talking to me, and um, he said, "Yeah, my wife and I live at the shelter." And he said, uh, "I got a job, and I've earned enough money to go stay at a motel for one week. It was like 160 bucks or something he'd raised. So we got five nights out of the shelter. I had Christian music on in my car, and there was a group called Skillet that was playing. And he goes, "I love Skillet." And he started singing the words to the song <clears throat> with Skillet. She was so tired; she just fell asleep. he just got confessional with me and just said you know it's hard down there at the shelter you try to do right and help people and people steal from you and and he says and I'm not perfect he said I've messed up I'm trying to get my life together dropped him off at at the hotel and I can't quit thinking about him So on Thursday, it was our day off, and I said, Melanie, would you mind going to the hotel? I just want to find this couple and take them out to eat if we can, and just see if there's anything that God would say to do to help them, and it was such a strange thing, because I didn't even know their names. I don't even, I still don't know their names. So I went into, I said to the lady, I said, this is kind of weird, but I'm just looking for a couple. They, They live in the shelter, but they're staying with you this week, and she kind of went through the list and she said, I, would, I just would have no way of knowing. I would have no way of knowing. And and so this isn't one of those great ending stories where I helped them and all that. I, I couldn't find them. I couldn't find them. And the Lord just kind of put that on me that just to keep looking for them. I mean, I know where they live. I know they live down at Carm, but... and. Keep looking for them in a symbolic kind of way. That there are some people out there that are really tired of living the way that they're living. And they're in slavery and they're working hard and they have bitter tears. Just like all the things of the Passover. And Jesus said, I'm going to do something at once. On Friday, on tomorrow, with one fell swoop all of that hard labor, all of that hard work is going to come to an end because Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And here's what I love about that story. There's a whole Judas part of that story. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Judas, Judas. Judas is in this story and He's at the supper, and Jesus actually, it's actually part that we skipped in the story, but Jesus, he said, the one that dips the sop is the one that's going to betray me, and it's Judas, and he does it, and he, he goes out into the night. But every time that we take communion at our church, we always say these words, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it, He said, do this as often as you... No, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Now what really struck me about this is my body that that is broken for you is that the you that he's talking about is Judas. Because it says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Judas dips the sop and he leaves out of there. I just want to say I don't care how far from God you are or what you think you've done or how bad that you've been Jesus did this for you this is my body which was broken for you it was broken for that young couple in the back seat of my car it was broken for me it was broken for my wife and kids it was broken for you So I want you to take these towels. Everyone get a towel? Anybody not get a towel? Take these towels. Help me find my friends. There's people out there that desperately need Jesus. And he did it for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. The Lord is in this house. And the Lord wants you to know. He's tired of seeing you suffer. He's tired of seeing you not fully believe he's tired of seeing your tears and your how hard you're working and he's saying I'm doing this for you and I take this on myself and I forgive you of your sins and I offer you the free gift of salvation if you're in this place today and you say yes pastor I want yesterday to be my last day without fully knowing the Lord and without fully receiving Him as my Lord and Savior. And I want today to be my fresh start and the first day of the rest of my life. If that's you in this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand and say, this is my day. Would you raise it? Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, yes, 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 thank you, thank you. Lord, we celebrate, Lord God, with those, Lord, who received the freedom of your free gift today. And, Lord, as your disciples, Lord, we take on the towel and we go out and we look at a hurting and a wounded world as we leave this place today. And we heard, Lord, not your suggestion, your commandment that we go out and that we love one another. Help us, Lord, in a world right now, Lord, we can't turn on the news without hearing hatred on the news. Help us, Lord, to be so radically different from all of that and to be radically lovers of Jesus Christ and lovers of one another and lovers of our neighbor. Help us, Lord, to shine as lights in this dark world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. We can't respond to this message without taking the meal that Christians for the last 2,000 years have taken together. Sometimes we call it the communion, the last supper, whatever. You'll notice the little wafer that you have is matzah bread. It's not leavened because it happened suddenly before the bread could rise Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourselves and by the way when you take the cup when Jesus took the cup and he said this is my uh, the, the blood of the new covenant it was the third cup in the four cup deal it was the cup of redemption where he is restoring you back to your original purpose that's what redemption means he's restoring you back To your original purpose. You weren't made for slavery. You were made to be free. You were made with a purpose. You were made to love and be loved. And when you take the cup this morning. Remember. Remember the tears of your life without God. Remember the hard work. And remember that he restored you back. And that his body was broken for you. And spilled for you. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And we're going to pass out the elements to you. And what I would ask you to do is just go ahead and hold on to them and we'll take them together. And I'm going to ask the worship team if they would go ahead and sing a, at least a verse of this song before we actually begin. Lord, we thank you for your body and your bread that was broken for us. Bless these elements, God, as we take it, Lord. We take it in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. Amen. So just pass them around and don't take it until we take it together. Let's stand if you will.